People deluded, I'm back again. Welcome back to the deluded podcast, and I'm happy to be doing this. I'm in decent spirits. If you're asking me why, it's a bit irrelevant from the podcast, but on my YouTube channel, we've hit 20,000 subscribers. So if you are a subscriber, make sure you know you feel you feel like you've accomplished something with me because without you lot, it's impossible. So I'd like to first and foremost say a big thank you to lot for allowing it to be possible. If you haven't started checking out my thing, rocking with my thing, taking my stuff in on YouTube, then you might as well start. Do I need to spell out to you why you need to start listening to that um, YouTube content? Come on now. But away from all of that, as you lot know, I wouldn't say a lot's happened in football, but a lot has happened. You've seen Kiko Castillo, the Leeds um, keeper, banned for eight games and get a fine, I believe, due to allegedly calling Jonathan Aliko, Jonathan Lico, sorry, the N-word. We're not going to get into that, well, into the, the graphic nature of the words, but we're going to speak on that. Obviously, as an Arsenal fan, I'm on cloud nine. Liverpool have always had my blessing to win the league this year. Cause I ain't got no smoke with them, but I didn't want them to do it invincible because Arsenal are has-beens. We've got nothing to cling on to apart from Thierry Henry and invincibles. And if they were to become invincibles, you know the debates like it that would have been said. So to now know that we're the only ones with that gold trophy, it's amazing. Pardon me. Thank you to our fellow London Coley neighbours in Watford who made this possible. For me, every Watford player should be in PFA Team of the Year. For me, Ishmael Asar should definitely be in PFA Team of the Year. Because they're the only team that was on something against Liverpool that actually did their job, man. So big up, Watford. I know they're still fighting relegation. Hopefully, you pull through. Um, excluding that, there's not really been anything in, in, terms of, in terms of anything, really. We know Spurs, another day, another... Cup upset. I mean, they've been dumped out the cup, the League Cup. Um, congratulations to Manchester City for winning that. And now they've been dumped out of the FA Cup after losing on penalties. You obviously saw Tim Krull was doing the rounds. He had a water bottle with alleged names and directions penalty takers would would go. And obviously, when they win, it looks like a masterclass. So it's been a bit of a madness. So with that, there's really not much to talk about. So I doubt doubt we're gonna be here that long, really and truly, people. But let's speak about Jonathan Lico first and foremost. Now, it's sad. I don't want to sit here and patronise you lot. You lot you lot rock with DG and listen to my content or watch my content. So you're of a certain intelligence level. I don't need to tell you why racism is bad. Why people shouldn't be racially abused. Why you shouldn't look down on someone according to their descent or more or less pigment within their skin. You should look at morals, values, how somebody carries themselves way before skin colour. Skin colour should be irrelevant. But in a day and age where it's not um, the case, we're going to have to keep speaking on things like that. Now, Jonathan Lico, who's been ruled out for the rest of the season with an ACL injury in December, um, apparently he... Obviously, we found a resolution in relation to, I've mentioned it, Castillo, Castillo being banned. But in the words of the article... Jonathan Lico has questioned the time it took the FA to ban Leeds United goalkeeper Kiko Castillo for racially abusing him. Castillo was banned for eight games and fined £60,000 after being found guilty by an independent regulatory commission. Um, obviously, it sadly took 22 weeks, people. Like, how many months is that? I get having to gather evidence, having to get facts right, but things like this, on top of the... Listen, let's be honest. Combat, combating racism is extremely patronising for black players in particular. You're seeing a man today. Um, it's, it, again, there's no correlation, but Gelson Martins, I believe, Gelson Martins, sorry, um, 
Monaco man, he's banned. Is he not banned for six months for pushing a ref? Again, they're not correlated. But where's them sort of bans for racism? Six months will make a player think twice. You hear Kiko Castilla said he's never even heard of the N word. Fucking liar, gas bag. Do you get it? It's patronising. It's patch. It's demoralising and patronising with the time it takes. Half the time a slap on the wrist. This discourages people from standing up and speaking about it because it just feels like a waste of time. Shout out to Jonathan Lico for, despite his young years, having the conviction, the mental strength to not only go through this but to keep his motion, um, his 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 motivation levels up. Because people could have crumbled. People could have withdrew their evidence. People could have said, for, for, "Forget this. You know, I'm not getting anywhere." He followed through. And it's extremely sad, but especially you look at a lot of these black players in England, I very much doubt that is sadly going to be the last racial incident he ever experiences, whether it's directly from fans or another player. I'd very much doubt that. So he's going to have not suck it up, but he's going to have to deal with it. But I can guarantee that's probably not the first time. You can imagine coming through a place like West Brom's Academy, who has, has a great academy and they go on a lot of trips and stuff like that. It's sad. This ain't the first time that he's encountered racism. I'd be surprised if he was to go around the Premier League and ask these predominantly black players, you know, can you recount your first incident of racism? I mean, Some will probably tell you it happened at 12 years of age when we went Germany on a pre-season tournament or when we went Spain or things like this. It is what it is, people. <clears throat> it took 22 weeks. Um, it is what it is. Allegedly, this offence took place on the 28th of September, which is obviously when Charlton played Leeds. When he, where he was on loan at, I believe. Um, moving forward from that and getting into the bulk of it, he has said, I found the hearing extremely stressful. It made me question whether I would be prepared to go through it all again were I on the receiving end of similar abuse in the future. And of course, it would make him think twice and be discouraged. But what I will say to that, Lico, is if it happens again, you should speak up. You must speak up. Because without you lot, again, I get why people don't want to speak, why people be discouraged. But every silent victim, it allows these idiots who are idiots to keep going. So for you to have the energy to do that, it is what it is. And it's, it's amazing how obviously this is what a man's true colours is. Because as a football player and a football fan, you meet a lot of different people. You sit by side with different people. This guy in his playing days, I don't have his full history to hand, but he plays for Leeds. And unless I'm mistaken, our very own Eddie and Ketty was there. And you can imagine there's a couple black players there. You've got Calvin Phillips, you've got a couple. So what are they saying about this guy's behaviour? And it always brings out true colours. I don't give a crap. You know when racists say this idiot, this idiot thing like, oh, it was just in the heat of the moment. I didn't mean it. No, you fucking meant it. You bloody meant it. That's why you said it. And it's always these guys that say, oh, you're playing the race card. I don't see colour. They never see colour, but the first thing they say is you black this and that or you n-word this and that. It's funny, isn't it? It's funny, isn't it? It's funny, isn't it? Big up, big up, Lico for for keeping it for keeping his cool, though, man. And I, I I rate you, my guy. He has said, like he going on, he said, I've been disappointed with the amount of time it has taken to reach this point. I certainly would think twice about how to advise another player in the same situation. Knowing what occurred that day, it's been very difficult to watch Kiko Castillo continue to play for such a lengthy period as if nothing happened. I was racially abused in a manner which still shocks and angers and upsets me to this day. And to be honest, I think it won't help black players because they'll get fined. But the only way to really give yourself some comfort is when you see it to just bang drop these players, people car. We can bring out as many say no to racism, think pieces. We can hold hands. We can continue to feel good, do nothing. Nothing is going to change. 
Look at someone like Gary Neville. I'm not saying he's racist. I'm not getting at him. But he spent time not getting at Sterling, but downplaying these things. He then had an epiphany that Raheem Sterling actually is on the offend receiving end of racism. And Gary Neville was then praised as some saviour for saying things that other people have been saying for months and years and have been told they're playing the race card. It actually came out that Gary Neville, Raheem Sterling went to him with a couple of incidences to the whole England coaching staff and nobody tried help. That's the problem with this country. That is the biggest problem. We we like to cower up when something when someone else has spoken up, everybody wants to speak. And we're just we're just very cowardly in this country. Very cowardly. We like to think we like to think we're doing good but actually do nothing. We like to feel as if we're making a change. That's why there's been no change. The people at the top don't give a crap about racism. Yeah? People are, it's, it's a completely different, but people are being banned for six months for pushing a ref. Games are being stopped because billionaire owners are offended. Again, it's no correlation, but none of these things are said for racism. Why? Because they don't care. Because people at the top are not direct, probably don't have direct experiences with racism. It's not going to change. Maybe if there was black football owners, like club owners, who actually can control stuff and say, okay, well, our team might not play or we might do something, then something will change. But until we're in positions of power, we can forget about it. Like, we're going to keep sitting here and talking about the same retired subjects, people. That's the truth. It honestly is the truth. Moving forward, he said, some support would have been welcome. Um, I'm not even going to talk about it, but allegedly Castilla given his own statement. We're not going to talk about that. Um... Lee also said he had, he had, he also said he had received no support at all from anti-racism bodies in football, including kick it out and show racism the red card. I would urge the game's governing bodies to look into their own processes with such incidences when such incidences are reported. Some support or guidance would have been very welcome, but bringing the incident into the ref's attention to the ref's attention immediately. I was only doing what I've been educated to do throughout my career. From the outset, all I've done is report something that had been challenged and exposed for what it is, racial abuse. And now I want to put an end to this episode, put it behind me and concentrate on recovering from my injury to be ready for next season. I'm naturally relieved that the process is now complete and the FA have upheld what, upheld what I've always known to be true. Um, and that's disappointing to hear because I know Kick It Out, so a couple of people at Kick It Out and with Troy and whatnot, that's disappointing to hear he feels that way, people, because obviously they should be the first people to make him feel welcome sort of thing, show racism, the red card as well. And I think Liko, the sad realisation is he'll understand as well by ourselves in this thing. There's no justice. There's no justice according to your skin. Because if other people was on the receiving and on end of racism... The, the, when it happens, when it does happen, they're going to come down on certain people like a shit ton of bricks, people. You wait. I'm, I am I don't want to be that guy, but I'm going to be honest. If a white player was on the receiving end of racism, like let's like an English white, white player, they would rain the books down. Things would change. Why? Because then they would see. They don't take black issues seriously because we don't control anything. And we're seen as always complaining, even if they're legitimate. All I'll say is, Liko, keep your head high. You're a black king. You're, you know, your skin is wavy. You know, the Kiko Castillo's wife's probably, you know, watching you and wishing, you know, she had a little piece of that. As for Kiko Castillo, I hope you get slapped in your face, really and truly. He's got an eight. He's got a little fine, sixty k. Club will probably sponsor that. And what's it? An eight game fine. He'll be an eight game ban. He'll be back. Shit, guy, man. Suck your mum, basically. Anyways, the PFA have said. 
Within his statement, Jonathan Leco expressed his disappointment with the process and the support he received. We'd like to apologise to Jonathan. We do not want any player to feel unsupported when going through something as difficult as this. At the time of the incident, we reached out to the club to advise them that we have a dedicated equalities team in place that can support and guide Jonathan through the investigation and hearing process. And I have to say, big up West Brom as well, man. West Brom is very much a multicultural club, very much a community club in Birmingham, a club which you can see identifies with the landscape of Birmingham. And I really like the way they've protected their player. They've all come together as a club, as an outsider looking in. And there's also been some other clubs that have supported Lico as well. So shout out to them, shout out to the people that have supported him, that have, have, that, you know, have provided his guidance for him. So, yeah, man, he said, yeah, they said they got a dedicated equalities team in place that can support and guide Jonathan. And they said this is a usual procedure following a racial incident. Unfortunately, on this occasion, we did not hear back and wrongly assumed Jonathan did not require our support. Well, you should have pressed the matter. You should have forced the hand until he told you to F off. We're grateful for Jonathan's feedback and we'll, re we'll review our procedures to ensure we learn from this moving forward. Following the hearing, we reached out to Jonathan directly and subsequently arranged a meeting, which is due to take place tomorrow, which is Thursday, which I'm now recording this on a Friday. So that's happened. It's all fun and game speaking like that, but you should have done what you needed to do when the incident was at hand. Simple as that. Simple as that. Like, there's nothing more to be said on that. It's as simple as that. And it's disappointing to hear that. Like Everybody's got all the answers after the things happen. Like I'm not being funny, but if... Racism never gonna wait, but there's a ra literally a racial incidence at all levels in this country from top to bottom every week. Every week. It's sad. I'm not saying Spurs fans are right, Rudiger's wrong, but you look at Rudiger, not away from the incident, how he was treated, already shut up as a liar. Why would he want to speak out again? To the people, to the honest, and it's all fun and games talking about Premier League championships, sort of top level football, but what's going on at League One level, League Two, non-league, all of these things? As sad as it is, when it's not known players, like, I, I, let, let's be honest, if Raheem Sterling gets racially abused, it's not the same impact. It's, it's the same impact in terms of the human, but it's not going to be the same as if, if I'm playing in League 2 and I don't know, I'm not saying, not trying to put anyone like this, but let's just say I played Grimsbury Town, someone called me the M-word. It's not going to get clout. It's not going to get traction. No one's going to give a crap. We have to save ourselves, man. And I don't know if that means ex-players put, you know, crowdfunding with each other and... and, and you know, doing a kick it out thing, but ex-players for current players sort of thing and really going hard. I don't know. What I do know is that sitting, I don't have the answers to stop racism or stop racism in football. What I do know is this kumbaya holding hands sort of shit that c continues is not going to change anything. It's not going to change anything. I genuinely believe the FA, the PFA, UEFA, FIFA, all of these big governing bodies. I'm not saying they're man, they are racist. I'm saying they don't give a shit about racism. Because if they did, they will come down on people like a ton of bricks. They don't care because it doesn't affect them um, really and truly. If they had more personal experiences, there might, be, there might be something more to be said on that front, people. But they don't care. So what's the point continuing and speaking about it really and truly? Moving on to Spurs, though. And I'm sure you've all seen the YouTube meme, the YouTube vids, the Twitter vids, the memes of Eric Dyer climbing into the into a Spurs stand following their defeat on penalties in the FA Cup to Norwich. Big up Norwich for that result, by the way. Um, allegedly, Dyer was filmed and pictured on social media climbing on, climbing over a row of seats before being involved in a confrontation. Police are aware of the incidents, 
but no allegations and no complaints have been made. Good old Tottenham, eh? No snitching, no one saw nothing, no one heard nothing. I like that, man. None of this snitching thing. Moving away from that, though, on a serious note, um, Dyer was filmed jogging along the touchline at full time before leaping over the adver advertising hoardings and then clamouring over seats before appearing to target one person who he was unable to reach as other supporters became involved. Um, and I would say one thing I feel sorry for is that obviously Dyer, it seems like quite a cool head, calm and collected. Obviously, he's a professional footballer. But man, have a have a breaking point. I don't know what was said. There's been a whole leap of rumours. There's been allegedly, you know, someone called Gedson Fernandez something racist and Dyer went to back it, to which, if true, commendable. Um, certain people said Dyer's um, brother was in the stands and for whatever reason, people was getting at his brother and, and them things there. And obviously, naturally, it doesn't matter if you're a footballer earning a lot of money. That's your brother. That's your guy, isn't it? That's your family. You're going to try and protect them, to which Dyer has my respect in either way. Because, I, listen, I don't know Dyer. I'm not a Spurs fan. But I don't think Dyer is the sort of person to want to jump over hoardings and put himself and, and another fan at risk and all the headlines if there's not a legitimate reason, people. And obviously, he probably shouldn't have done it. But people forget footballers are human, man. Footballers have to take abuse and abuse and abuse. And sometimes it's too far. A man have a breaking point. I've told you a lot before. Irrelevant from this Dyer thing. One day a fan's going to get banged in the face, people. Like, fans are just going to... Someone's going to have enough. Especially with the social media and the relentless never switching off. Because before, obviously, it was really just in the... If you go back to, like, 04 and that, really, criticism was just on the TV, in the papers. You might see someone on the street, they might call you crap. But more or less, you're living in a bubble. You're irrelevant. Now, you could play a match two weeks ago and you're reminded of how crap you played on social media. you got a bag of people with the stats atting you. And, and yeah, man... Dyer, listen, Dyer doesn't strike me as someone that would do that. On I don't know Dyer, so my opinion doesn't really matter. But it doesn't strike me as someone that's going to do that for no reason and jeopardise any sort of opportunity as a footballer he has without a legitimate reason. If it's racism, he has my respect. If he's defending his brother, he has my respect. Um, they're the only two rumours I've seen. I don't know where it is, but um, yeah, man. Obviously, you never want to see a player put himself in danger because it could have been worse. Um I'm actually more scared of the fans because Dyer looked like he was ready to do something, to, to really put some work in on someone. And fans need to be easy, man. Really need to calm it down. Um, moving away from that, though, people, and I'm, I'm sure you've all seen this corona thing, this coronavirus. It's spreading like wildfire. It's sadly claiming the lives of a couple people. It's spreading in Europe. You're seeing in Italy in particular. Football academies closed. Railways allegedly shut down. Normal services just not being resumed. Allegedly, Serie A games postponed slash being placed behind closed doors. Um, and all these sort of things. Apparently, the Premier League has announced that the pre-handshake, pre-match handshake between both teams and officials will not take place until further notice because of fears over the spread of co the co coronavirus. Now, I hear that. I hear that. It is logic to it. But football's a contact sport. So when these players shake hands after the game or touch each other, um, you know, spuds and that, or they're getting touched tight and they're touching each other's faces or they're marking, what happens then? I get it. You're gonna you're trying to do what you can, but it's, it's almost irrelevant if they're going to touch each other anyways. Like, after every tackle, you know, when a striker and defender both go for the ball, you know, they'll touch each other and say, good, you know, good... Good, good contest, mate. So it's almost irrelevant. I get it. They have to try and stop something. It is concerning. It is what it is. Um, like you've seen, apparently there's been 90,000 cases 
of the virus in in 87 countries already it's a bit mad people it's a bit it's a bit mad i think california declared a state of emergency i could be wrong um in relation to in relation to this thing people it's mad even if you go back to arsenal when arsenal in the europa league i saw this in the athletic apparently arsenal asked uefa about the protocol um in relation to corona when it was announced that an italian referee would be in charge of our game um in the second leg against Olympiacos at the Emirates. Um, David Massa, his assistants, Felipe Mello and Alberto Tigoni are from Lombardi and Emilia Ronagla, Romagla, I can't say it, but apparently that's two regions which have suffered the biggest outbreak in Italy, which obviously raised questions with Arsenal about handshaking and spitting on the pitch. That's also something I forgot, spitting. As dirty as what boys, man are spitting all over the field, man are slide tackling. You've probably, I've done it, you've probably all done it. Unconsciously slid on some grass where someone spat. It is what it is. So you could catch something like that. Do you see what I'm saying, people? I don't know what to make of this corona thing. I don't want to sound like a conspiracy theorist. I do think it's something very serious to take. But it does feel, I don't want to sound like no conspiracy done, but it does feel like there's a bit of propaganda going on. But... Let's leave that, man. We can talk away from that. Let's just keep this football, people. Moving away from that, though, and the corona thing. In fact, not moving away from it, really. Another incident. Danish side Bronby have quarantined 13 people, including a player and their assistant coach, after former Denmark international Thomas Kallenberg was diagnosed with corona. Bromby's director of communications, Christian Schultz, has said... Carlenberg contracted the virus in Amsterdam last weekend and was at the Bromby game versus Lingby on Sunday. So he got it in Holland. So, yes, yeah, a bit mad. And I don't know if it's true, but I, I, a Spurs fan told me that Son has had to stay because I think Son went to South Korea and he's come back as a precautionary measure. He hasn't been allowed to join the group and stuff until whenever things happen, innit? I don't know if that's true. I don't know if someone's pulling my leg. Um, I don't know if someone's trying to banter me, but I did hear that. Um... So it is sad that you've got this, but apparently defender Joe Kongboga, 21, is in quarantine alongside assistant coach Martin Retoff, while Lingby also have three players in isolation. Mud, 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 mud. Hopefully, you know, they get through what they're getting through and they get back to good health and they're able to resume their careers as professional footballers, people. Um, it's quite sad that they're being quarantined and obviously they've got family and stuff like that. Moving away from the corona thing and stuff now, though, people. Carlo Ancelotti, you've seen, has been fined £8,000 after accepting an FA charge of misconduct following his red card after Sunday's draw with Manchester United. I mean, Carlo Ancelotti is fully right to feel aggrieved with a number of the decisions that went their way. Um, and obviously, he approached the referee, Chris Kavanagh, Kavanagh, Chris Kavanagh, following the final whistle after obviously Calvert-Lewin's late goal was ruled out for offside. He has become the first manager to be shown a red card in the Premier League, but allegedly he'll be in the dugout to face former club Chelsea on Sunday. So was there a point of the red card? I don't know, man. I think the rest just being a pom-pom, really. But moving away from that, though, and my legend, the best footballer ever to kick a ball, I don't care how many stats other dons get, what they do, there will always ever be Ron Ronaldinho. No one can play the game like him. No one can do what he does. I don't care how many goals, how many calendar year other guys score goals. There's no Nobody's better. Ronaldinho's an anomaly. He is irrelevant. When you're looking in the God section of footballers, 
he is there with the gatekeepers, along with Thierry Henry, of course, Ronaldo Lima, and the rest of them. Messi, Ronaldo, Messi, Ronaldo, the rest of them. But irrelevant from football, apparently. Brazilian legend Ronaldinho has been arrested in Paraguay for allegedly using false documentation to enter the South American country. So passport. The 39-year-old, who's won the World Cup, was detained in the resort yacht and golf club Paraguayo, along with his brother Roberto on Wednesday night. The Ministry of Interior of, of Paraguay has confirmed, according to a newspaper, passports were found in the hotel bearing the names of Ronaldinho and Roberto with a Paraguayan nationality. So them man, they are moving buki. And that's sad to hear from Ronaldinho, man. Get through that, man. Hopefully he can make it back home and return safely. Away from that, though, UEFA will introduce thicker lines for offside decisions reviewed in the Champions League and Europa League by video assistant referees, VAR, in a bid to encourage more goals next season. The new lines, pardon me, which may yet to be used in the summer's European Championships can be used under existing laws of football. UEFA president Alexander Cheverin says he has been in talks with the organisation's refereeing officials to rule out the changes to ensure sides are not ruined by one wrong decision. Listen, I'm not going to say anything on VAR. I'm tired of speaking about VAR. Every week, There's the goalposts are being moved. People, one minute VAR is sending off one guy. The same thing is happening the next week. It's, VAR is not going to be used for this. VAR is not being used to pull up refereeing decisions. It's just a mockery. VAR all over is being used as a mock, but I'm more leaning towards the Premier League. The Premier League need to... UEFA is irrelevant from the Premier League, but it needs to fix up, man. It's, it's, it's very jarring, man. It's, it's extremely jarring, I'm not going to lie to you lot people. On that note, we might as well quickly review the Premier League action from last week. As you lot already know, Watford, who are still in the relegation zone, got a big three points defeating Liverpool three goals to nil. Now, a lot of Liverpool fans I speak to and banter online, they like genuinely, I get that you're genuinely upset, you're chasing greatness, but calm down, like. You're moving like they're moving like they lost the league. Like, calm down. You're still league, going to win the league. It's still the first championship in 30 years. You're still bullying the Prem. It just is what it is. You don't have to hold your L. There's probably a bit of fatigue and, and whatnot, but it just weren't your day against Watford. To lose 3-0, obviously, you've got to go to the drawing board, watch reviews and see where you went wrong because you shouldn't be losing 3-0 to a relegation side, threatened side, better yet. But you have to hold your L. Shout out to Ishmael Asar for them two goals. Um, I can't remember. Was it Dini who scored one? It might have been Dini. I could be wrong. Or was it Decore? I can't remember. But either way, great performance from Watford to ensure Arsenal are still invincibles. And to be fair, Liverpool can be proud. They can be proud of this Premier League side. It's one of the best sides in the Premier League um, in history in, in terms of league titles because I think Invincibles for me is always going to be the best. You look at You've got the Invincibles. You've got numerous Manchester United sides. You've got the City sides. Not just under Pep, but whatever. You've got Jose's elite sides at Chelsea and Liverpool are now being thrown into that debate and rightly so. You look at the points, you look at the draws, you look at the wins, you look at the goals. They have every reason to be in that debate. They're just not invincible, which it is what it is. It would have been icing on the cream on top of the cake, whatever the saying is, but it is what it is. You go again next week, Liverpool, like it is what it is. You hold your L, you lost. Um, yeah. <clears throat> Villa versus Sheffield United was obviously postponed due to Villa's participation in the League Cup final in which they lost to Manchester City and I vaguely mentioned it. Congratulations to Manchester City if I haven't said that already for claiming the first piece of silverware up for grabs. 
um, of this season, technically. Obviously, Manchester United and Everton drew 1-1. That was quite a decent game from, from Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison and the boys. Um, nice to see Manchester United drop two points. And I hope everyone drops points, especially with the top four race. Wolves came back against Spurs and defeated them three goals to two. Shout out to Jimenez. Shout out to um, Jota played well, if I remember correctly. Lovely win. For Spurs, it's another inquest, conceding cheap goals, taking the lead and failing to get the result. Just being part of overall bad form because they've lost now. They're out of the FA Cup now. Another defeat is with that is always going to be more question marks on is Jose the right man to do this? Are these players good enough? Because I think we need to remember Spurs were in the relegation zone when they clipped Poch because right now it don't look like they should have got rid of Poch. It makes no difference. But they were, and I think they should have kept him for what it's worth. But we need to remember Spurs were in the relegation zone and things. So Jose has done some stuff, but I do think the classic issues with Jose are starting to become apparent. I do think they need a rebuild. They need better players. Um, and I'm going off topic, but you look at that game against Norwich. I'm seeing Skip and Winks in the midfield. Norwich must have loved that because you know there's no inspiration in that midfield. You know neither player has the ability to consistently play them forward passes. You just know they're there like two lambs ready to be slaughtered, essentially. Um, so there's a lot of question marks over Spurs. Obviously, Last week was a good one because they both dropped points. Um, Wolves and Wolves, well, Wolves beat beat Spurs, and Wolves was very much in the top four race. But anytime Spurs lose, it's decent. So Spurs dropped points, United dropped points, Liverpool lost. It was a decent weekend for Arsenal fans, and it got better because got just focusing on London. Spurs are our main ops, but we've also got them other ops that used to have that bully Jogba in South London. Well, they technically say it's West. They technically say they're in West London, but it's South London. We know you're in South. You're closer to Fulham than anything, mate, Chelsea. They away to Bournemouth, drew two goals to two, shot themselves in the foot. Um, after taking the lead, obviously, Bournemouth scored two goals and scared them, and Marcos Alonso rescued a point. Two points firmly dropped for Lampard's men, and I'm sure that's how they'll look at it. So United dropped points, Chelsea dropped points, Spurs dropped points. And it just makes the race for fourth and fifth allegedly even more intense. Even third, because Leicester have been doing their thing, but they've been a bit shaky this season. So they could be, third could be up for grabs. I think they've got it, but you never know. Um, Liverpool drop points, but it's irrelevant. Like, it's mad irrelevant that Liverpool drop points. They're still winning the league. they still got a good chance of the champs. It's mad irrelevant. Um, I think they're out of the FA Cup as well, if I remember correctly. I mean, Liverpool never take the FA Cup seriously. Um, Underclock, really. But it is what it is. Newcastle and Burnley drew 0-0, which is a good point for both sides, in my opinion. Crystal Palace versus Brighton. From what I'm told, that's a sort of derby. Either way, Crystal Palace snatched the points. Um, and they were giving the fat Brighton fans were giving Zaha a lot of stick in that game. But yeah, man, Zaha's the last the one laughing as his team claimed all three points. Moving away from that though, people. And if we should we look at the Premier League first, or should we we reviewed last week, or should we preview let's preview this week now i'm going to arsenal versus west ham at three o'clock people um and that's a game i'm looking very forward to um i see it as a as a spooky game really because i think we can beat west ham but if i'm west ham i, sh I should try and be confident they got their first win in around eight games or so against southampton like us west ham don't keep many clean sheets um so it's gonna. I think it's gonna be a fairly even contest, but I expect Arsenal to win. If you're asking me, I'm gonna go with two-one Arsenal, maybe even three-one Arsenal. Don't make me look stupid. Let me touch bare wood. Um, I'm. 
it's it's funny, but I'm actually looking forward to being at the Emirates and, and seeing that game really and truly. Um, but before that, lunchtime kickoff more or less. Liverpool against Bournemouth. Liverpool after what happened against Watford want to get back to winning ways, and there's probably a lot of frustration to take out on Bournemouth from Liverpool. If you're Bournemouth, there is some inspiration to take playing a fellow top six rival and claiming points of Chelsea. They've given Arsenal a tough time this season and I'm sure they've claimed other points of top teams. I swear they technically, what, they've got four points of Chelsea. Did they not beat them at the bridge? Um, so there's every reason for them to be confident and that realistically you'd expect Bournemouth to lose. If you was betting your savings, you'd expect Bournemouth to lose. Let's be honest, people. So use that to your advantage. Have a bit of a nothing to lose mentality. I think Liverpool will get back to winning ways and run riot firmly in that game, people. But you never know. You really never know. So we'll have to see. Wolves play Brighton, um, which is a fairly even... Um, is a fairly... And it's not even even. Wolves, Wolves are better than them. But in terms of if I had to bet on that, it's, fair, it's a fairly even contest. I'd probably do both teams to score. I'd back Wolves to win that. But that's going to be a decent game. And as you know, Wolves sit sixth in the league after a big three points of fellow... Rivals for Champions League spaces, Spurs, you know, they can make some ground on people. Newcastle against Southampton, that should be a decent clash. You've got Chelsea against Everton. Ancelotti returns to Stamford Bridge in, in the opposition dugout. Hopefully, Richarlison, Calvert-Lewin can spoil the day for, um, for Chelsea from that perspective. But you'd imagine that to be an even game. You've got Leicester against Villa. On Monday, um, you'd expect Leicester to win, but you never know with Villa. Who are, it's at, we're getting to that point in the sum, in the season now where there's potentially going to be some dodgy results, like you saw with Watford, because people are fighting relegation, because of that mentality of you're being backed into a corner. Do you fight back or do you curl into a ball? You're going to see a couple of them relegation sides claim points you didn't expect them to claim, really and truly, people. I'm not going to lie to you lot. You will see that. Um, if I haven't said it, Sheffield United welcome Norwich to their place. Crystal Palace welcome Watford. Um, you've obviously got Burnley welcome Spurs. You've got on Sunday the big one, the Manchester derby. You're hearing Maguire might not play in that. You're hearing Kevin De Bruyne also might not play in that. Maybe both sides, red and blue, are playing a bit coy and not trying to give away team news. But that's going to be an interesting one. I'm sure the, the one you're going to look at is De Gea. You wouldn't be looking at the normally you wouldn't look at the hair, but for a number of times now he's looked a shadow of his former self. And I'm sure someone must have compiled his biggest mistakes. Or if he hasn't necessarily made mistakes in the last two years, there's been goals he could have done better with. So I don't know what's the problem with the hair. Is he stagnating? Has he learned it? Um has he lost his hunger? Is it a natural decline? Because you need to remember, I know he's only a goalie, but he's been playing for a minute, you know. Forgive me if I'm wrong, more or less a teenager. Um how much does that make sense? I don't know because I'm sure Courtois has been playing from also a teen and is also of similar ages and he looked like he was a flop at Madrid but now he looks like he's turning it around. I think it's a hunger thing and a stagnating thing, man. I don't know if De Gea needs a new goalkeeping coach, if he needs Den Dean Henderson to come back from Sheffield United and but obviously, I you on their top day, De Gea is probably a better keeper than Henderson but on current form, Henderson's ahead of him and... At least in a while, Henderson would be that United keeper, at least without bringing someone in. That might shock the hair and think, oi, my position's under threat, you know. Because let's be honest, Lee Grant isn't going to do that. Romeo is firmly second choice. Romeo's actually catching a lot of heat for saving Wayne Rooney's shot, people. I mean, I've never seen such a reaction to a goalie keeping a clean sheet in a negative way. Light-hearted, but obviously people wanted Rooney to score. 
Um, so we'll have to see what's happening in that regards, man. Some interesting Premier League fixtures. I'm not going to lie to you lot, people. If you want to know the league table, um, we'll do it from bottom to top. So in 19th, you've got Aston Villa. In 18th, you've got Bournemouth. 17th, you've got Watford, who are going to be fighting relegation. Arsenal are obviously going to welcome to the Emirates. 16th place, West Ham, who need to put results together. Brighton are 15th. Southampton and Newcastle are 13th and 14th, respectively. So you can see why that's an important clash between them two sides, people. Um, Everton in are 11th. Arsenal are 10th. Burnley are 9th. You've got Sheffield in 8th. Spurs are 7th. The top six reads Wolves. Manchester United in 5th. Chelsea are 4th. Leicester City firmly in 3rd. And we all know there's not going to really be any budging in relation to Liverpool and Manchester City. Liverpool on 79 points, City on 57, Leicester on 50, Chelsea on 45, United on 42. So if they win and results go a different way, I don't know for goal difference, but they can make some ground. Um, the same goes for Wolves. If they win, they can move above United without speaking about goal difference um, and really put pressure on. You've got, you've got Spurs on 40 points. I'm going to skip a bit. You've got Arsenal on 37, so it's going to take us at least two games to get back. And we need to beat West Ham, because on Wednesday, who are we playing in our game in hand, people? If you're not aware of the news, Manchester City. We need to take, it's almost a six-pointer against West Ham. Because if you're honest, playing City is a free hit. It's a free hit. It's, it's Arteta's first journey back there, but it's a free hit. Because most people expect us to get our asses handed to us, and which typically happens. When was the last time we won there? I swear it was Santi Cazola and Coquelin's masterclass. Last time we won there. It'd be lovely to win away from home against a top six rival, but I'm not going to, you know, I don't want to think too far ahead, but I'm not going to hold my breath in relation to that one, folks. We can hope and pray and pray. Whatever God you 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 believe in, pray, people, guys. It's a mad thing for Arsenal on Wednesday. I'm never going to speak anymore on that one there. But moving forward and finally... We might as well speak about some transfer business that I've seen online. The first one is Harry Kane. Allegedly, it's been reported that Harry Kane is considering his future with Spurs and a move to Manchester United appeals to him. It's reported that Kane is less willing to hang around Spurs while they rebuild and sees the road to the Premier League and sees the road to the Premier League or European glory as a long one. It is believed Kane sees Manchester United as a club beginning to refine their feet as a powerhouse of English football. Um, obviously, we all know he's still out with a groin injury. I mean, not a groin. He's still he's still out with a severe hamstring knock. Um, he's expected to return in April. He's got an eye on the Euros. He's 26. So I guess within his next four years, he really wants to win significant trophies. And I do think it would be a serious, heartfelt decision for Kane to leave. But it might be the right one. I mean, if Real Madrid still legitly want him, that's a move you should make. Manchester United, of course, Manchester United are in the same boat as Spurs in that, yeah, it's United and they have money and obviously the appeal to return to the elite. Um, you're hearing they've got, they're bringing in Sanjo. There is good things to be done, especially if Pochettino goes there. That could be something that appeals to Kane. Um, but surely, and again, I think everything said about Man United is facts, but surely if you was going to entertain anything, you would entertain potentially a move to City, if anything. Um, obviously, the Pochettino factor with United, but it'd be City or abroad, if anything. You could write a case for Liverpool in that they're linked with Werner, but can you see that move happening? I don't know. You're probably looking at a ridiculous sum for Kane to move to a Premier League side, and I think United would be the only team to pay it. 
really. Um, so it is going to take a lot, man. It is going to take a lot. I don't know when Kane last signed a new contract, but this could also be a contract ploy as well. I don't know. Moving away from that, apparently William has rejected Chelsea's new attempt to secure him to, to fresh terms. Um, reports say William 31 has been offered a two-year deal by Lampard, um, but it's reckoned William wants a three-year deal. Apparently, there's an offer from Spurs, and he did complete a Spurs medical years ago. Maybe he'll actually see the whole thing through soon enough. Um, moving away from that, apparently Arsenal have opened talks over a 23 million summer move for Feyenoord Turkey under 21 midfielder Orkan Koku. Pardon me. Um, so we'll see how that one develops. Um, Calvert-Lewin is ready to commit his future to Everton by signing a new long-term deal, which lasts until 2025, which is probably a reward for his decent form. Keeping up with Everton, um, Everton have put themselves in the race to sign Celtic's Odegaard, 22-year-old striker, after conducting several scouting trips on the lad. So we'll see how that one goes. Everton are apparently going for a player who's been linked with both Spurs and Arsenal, Gabriel, 22 years of age. That plays for Leo, the Brazilian centre-half. The Independent reckons they're in talks to sign the lad. So we'll see how that one goes. Even though Arteta played it down, um, apparently we're open to completing a permanent move for Ceballos. Um, but we haven't made any contact. So we'll read into that one what we what you can. Apparently Arsenal, Spurs sorry, are ready to offer homegrown midfielder Oliver Skip a new contract. Apparently, Arsenal keeping tabs on gent Canadian striker Jonathan David. Um, apparently, the French Football Association has received confirmation from PSG that they don't want their striker Mbappe playing in the Olympics, which I believe players should be free to decide that themselves, man, because, I mean, killing Mbappe, you'd imagine he's going to be a Champions League winner when he retires, but he's won the French League, everything the French division forgive me has to offer him he's a world cup winner the chance to be an olympian is something any sportsman would turn, would, would want so if he really wants to do that i believe he should be granted that but of course it's killing mbappe um dre's dre's mertens dre's mertens rumors to arsenal won't go away apparently and brother good news though both arsenal and everton have missed out on the chance to sign him as his release clause to foreign clubs only has expired but as we all know allegedly he is a free he is a free agent come the summer so make of that what you will sort of thing i think i'm missing things out people so let me quickly scroll up there we go apparently arsenal are subject of a payment demand from independent regarding emilio martinez he's been here for 10 years he arrived at 17 i believe he's 27 now apparently the article says the goalkeeper moved to Arsenal when he was 17 in 2010 and there were several clauses as part of the transfer. Independent claimed that one of those clauses meant that Arsenal needed to pay them half a million pounds. Um, that money has not been paid. Um, the Argentinian source suggests Independent have been attempting to contact Arsenal about the payment but have not gotten an appropriate response so far. Allegedly the deal to bring him to Arsenal was a deal for £1.35 million with this payment said to be on top of that sum. So if we've owed them money, we've got to run them to peas, people. But um, it seems like we're pulling a fast one. Arteta has also said he wants Aubameyang to stay under any circumstances and he's allegedly said we're going to begin a new deal, talks for a new contract, 
but he says he needs to know his intentions in relation to Aubameyang. I think it's too little too late in that regard. Um, we'll have to see what happens in relation to that. But in relation to this podcast, though, I don't think there's much more to talk about. Like I said, people, there's really it's a slow day, man. Sadly, we've had to speak about racism. We In better news, we've spoken about the Premier League and stuff like that. We've had a little bit of banter on Spurs. We've covered the dire stuff. It is what it is in that regards, people. So, yeah, there's not much more to expand or say. So I'll buck you again next week this time. Make sure you check it out. It's always going to come out on Fridays where we'll review the previous Premier League action We've um, preview the week to come and speak about any sort of topics that catch my eye or I feel need to be mentioned. Um, I try and do my podcast a little less Arsenal centric um, and do more general topics and stuff. But if you're looking for that Arsenal stuff, then hit, hit up my YouTube channel. I must admit, I am tempted to start putting my videos like cutting out the MP4 and just taking the MP3 and just uploading them as well as the podcast onto the Spotify's, the Apple Music's, etc, etc. If that's what you guys want, then please someone let me know, man, because I'm always trying to make things easier for you. I understand some people like to sit down and watch content. Some people like to listen. Certain people, they might not be able to watch the YouTube vids right now. So, you know, they'll listen to the podcast. You know, I'm trying, I just want to make it easier for you to understand everyone's got different jobs, everyone's living different lives, but we're all connected through football. So, I'm, you know, whatever I can do to even see me the other day, little like clipping the ones that let the ones that i'm let, allowed to putting little vids on instagram because i always think i'm on instagram you know what let me put these videos on there because someone might you know just be on instagram and can view my thing quickly doesn't they need to switch apps and that so i'm always trying to make it easier for you lot so anything you lot can tell me to do to guide me to that please allow me to to do that but i have to know it first people on that note though, i'm going to kick out man People, as usual, I appreciate all the support. Again, especially as I hit 20k subs on my YouTube channel. Hopefully, we can keep growing for everything. Hopefully, I've given you lots of meaningful content. On that note, though, I'm really out of here. Thank you for listening. Check out my other content. Check out my details in the description of this podcast if you want to follow me and stuff like that. Check out the previous podcast if you ain't checked them out. Check out my new YouTube content. You know we've got content for days. Um, Fridays is actually Q&A day. So if you lot are sharp, you should have asked your questions. But for now, until we link back, people, stay safe. God bless. Deluded. I'm out. <laughs>